not opioid adverse, but I understand the problems with opioids. So it's, it's about taking a delicate balance. You know, there are certain pains that you don't need to be on opioids for more than a few days for. Um, but there are certain pains like, you know, cancer pain that may never go away that they do need opioids for. If I can use cannabis to help reduce how much opioid use uh, a patient has, that's even better. Welcome to 20-Minute Health Talk, where some of the brightest minds in healthcare help us break down the latest news and developments. we got a great show for you today. I'm your host, Rob Boyle, and today our special guest is Dr. Diana Martins-Well. She's the Director of Supportive Oncology Services at the Montreux Cancer Center, and she's also the Chair of the Medicinal Cannabis Workgroup under the Opioid Management Steering Committee. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, marijuana gets such a bad rep, but there's so many great benefits medicinally helping patients. Tell us a little bit about your research and what you're doing. Um, thank you for having me. And I'm excited to be here to talk about this uh, this topic that I think there's a lot of um, misinformation out, um, out there about. Um, so I got involved with the medical cannabis program in New York State about uh, five and a half years ago. Um, New York's program launched in January of 2016. And about around that time, I got involved. Um, at, at the beginning, I was not Really, I was more of a skeptic than anything else. You know, I, I sort of grew up in this mentality that, you know, just say no. Um, right. Cannabis is a gateway drug. And so I thought, well, you know, being a palliative care clinician in a cancer center where a lot of cancer patients are known to use marijuana to help them deal with symptoms of of, of cancer and cancer treatment, it only made sense. Um, little did I know that, you know, five and a half years later... 2,000 plus patients certified by me, um, I, I would have seen such uh, wonderful results and um, quality of life and, and being able to tolerate cancer treatments um, in, in such a way. So that's, where, that's what really propelled me into being such a proponent. Now, it's difficult to study cannabis to any great degree. You know, in medicine, we, we do randomized control trials as the standard of care um, for you know, robust um, clinical studies. And that's where researchers and, and clinicians alike will, you know, look to to make sure that we are doing uh, right by our patients. It is very difficult to do a randomized control trial with, um, with medical cannabis. The reason being that cannabis is a federally illegal substance. It's a Schedule One drug. Um, therefore, it's uh, considered to be... Um, basically to not have any medicinal value. It's alongside heroin and PCP and, and things of that nature. And we all know that that's, you know, it, it's outrageous that it still has that sort of classification by the DEA, but in the fact that it does makes it very difficult to study it to any large degree. So the types of things that we're trying to do through the medical cannabis work group are more small scale. Um, we've done a few surveys. Um, I have one going right now with cancer patients uh, that we put on cannabis to uh, look at their quality of life over time from before cannabis use and then after. Um, and we're also looking to partner with um, a, a dispensary here in New York State, um, looking at pelvic floor dysfunction in females and the use of uh, medical cannabis suppositories, actually. So it's a pretty novel um, uh, area of research. Um, but that's that's going to be a little bit more robust in the sense that we're going to do um, um, randomization. So there's a lot of red tape that comes along with uh, studying it, but we're excited to, you know, venture with uh, a, a cannabis dispensary and do something of that nature. Um, there's a few other doctors that are leading that study. I just, we sort of talk about it and, um, you know, go through the ups and downs of going through um, institutional review board policies and all that with our, with our work group. So tell me, what is the medicinal cannabis work group? 
So the medicinal cannabis work group started about, I want to say three years ago or so. Um, it was, it was a, it, it's a work group that came out of the opioid management steering committee. Uh, as we know, you know, Northwell took a, a very strong stance against uh, the opioid crisis and um, the opi opioid management steering committee recognized that cannabis can help actually help, you know, um, deter or lessen opioid use um, and as an alternative, you know, for chronic pain and other conditions that, that, you know, may get patients started on opioids in the first place. So um, I was approached about, you know, starting this cannabis work group um, and bringing people together from across the health system who shared a similar interest. It's a nice, it's a nice smattering of different disciplines. You know, there's physicians, there's practitioners, um, pharmacists, uh, researchers, um, I'm probably missing some people, but it's, it's a nice interdisciplinary group of people who come together. We, we meet once a month, um, and just share ideas related to cannabis, cannabis research, cannabis education. So I'm excited that we actually are finally going to launch our cannabis uh, learning series for, um, Northwell healthcare practitioners. Um, we had wanted to do an in-person, you know, half day you know, learning symposium back in May of 2020, and we were all ready to put it together. And then, and then the pandemic happened and then, you know, it's been tough to get people to come together, but we finally filmed all of our uh, modules and it's about five and a half hours of modules we've put together that we hope to launch in the fall once everyone's, you know, back to work mind mindset. And, um, I, my, our goal is really just to educate, um, healthcare practitioners, if not to get them already on the program to register their own patients for cannabis, but at least to destigmatize it. Certainly we want to be able to um, be advocates um, for, for, you know, medicinal cannabis uh, expansion, you know, expansion to access um, and just allow, allow patients, you know, to be able to uh, procure the product and, and obviously making it more accessible financially for patients. Um, but our, our, our learning series, we're hoping, will be recognized by the state as one of the um, uh, approved courses for patients, uh, for healthcare practitioners, rather, to be registered as as um, medical cannabis providers. So we're hoping the state will get back to us. It's been kind of, it's been we've been hitting a lot of roadblocks because of the pandemic, and I think they're busy doing other things at, um, with the Department of Health. But we're hoping that we get recognized as a, as a approved course so that anybody who takes our uh, virtual learning series will then be able to start uh, registering patients for cannabis. Sure. Do you think that medical marijuana, medical cannabis can replace the opioids and the more addictive and more harmful um, prescribed medications? No, no. Um, opioids have a time and place. Um, benzos have a time and place. Um, working in palliative oncology, these are staples of my practice. Um, and there is certain types of pain that is not never going to be um, managed by cannabis alone. And I recognize that fact. I am not opioid adverse, but I understand the 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 problems with opioids. So it's it's about taking a delicate balance. You know, there are certain pains that you don't need to be on opioids for more than a few days for. Um, but there are certain pains like, you know, cancer pain that may never go away that they do need opioids for. If I can use cannabis to help reduce how much opioid use uh, a patient has, that's even better, but it's not going to replace um, the need for certain pharmaceuticals. Some people, when they hear pot or marijuana, it, like you said, we still got the stigma. So what do you, what is the preferred way to talk about medical 
yeah, marijuana. I, I tend to use the word cannabis. It's the scientific name for the plant. Um, many people don't realize marijuana has um, racist roots. Um, so back in the 30s, when um, there was this whole anti-marijuana campaign, um, they uh, they started talking about cannabis as marijuana, the Spanish, the Mexican word for cannabis um, to make it sort of seem like, well, this is not something you want your children to be taking. Um, so people don't realize that that word actually is, is very heavily rooted in, in, in racism and bigotry. Um, and, and then things like pot and weed, I, I try to stay away from that because that connotes more street use. Um, so cannabis is really the preferred term. And just tell us about, um, the benefits that it, how much this benefits people, especially people who are going through chemotherapy, radiation therapy, cancer patients who need to maintain their weight, need to, you know, have certain things. How beneficial has it been in your research? Um, so very much so. And I, I'm, a lot of what I speak is obviously anecdotally because I, I, I do have so many patients that just report back to me over the years, how well, it, how well it's done for them. And I'm hoping that my survey that we've just started um, enrolling patients into will show what we've already seen in practice. But um, it, the THC, the tetrahydrocannabinol is what's attributed with um, increasing appetite and uh, relieving nausea and vomiting, um, as well as helping with things like sleep and pain, some sorts of pain. Um, so those are all things when I, when I list out the various potential benefits to patients, they say, well, I have, you know, I have all of those. Um, and so they're looking to benefit at least, at least a couple of those symptoms. And if they can get that from the cannabis um, extract, they're, they're thrilled because they can cut down on other medications, specifically opioids is a big, is a big one. Opioids are the gold standard of, of um, pain treatment for cancer patients. But I can't tell you how many patients don't want to hear about it anymore. And they rather suffer in pain. I, I hear things like, I don't want to die an addict. Um, there's such a stigma now with using an oxycodone for pain, even though, you know, it's totally acceptable for what my patients are going through. Um, yet, they, they are just so turned off and they, so they rather turn to something like cannabis in many, in many instances, if it can help them cut down their um, opioid burden or their, or they're just the polypharmacy, as we call it, you know, the different, sure. the use of many different medications. And in the best of circumstances, I might be able to get a patient to not have to use any anti-nausea medication or pain medication um, or even a sleep aid like an Ambien um, or a Xanax because they're able to get all these benefits from the cannabis extract. Um, so that's the ideal situation. I don't sell it as a panacea by any means because there's many patients who they just don't find it it's sufficient for them, but um, it's not, it's not harmful in any way. So I always tell them it's better just to try it and we can work to try to tailor the dose to meet their needs. And if it doesn't work, so be it. Um, but at least we've tried. Funny enough, I do find a lot of patients, they may not get what out of it, what they went into it for. Maybe they wanted it to help with their anxiety and their sleep, but they find that they have just an overall wellness in using it. And they continue to use it because they just feel that improved. It was a better quality of life and they just feel better every day going through, you know, terrible circumstances with, you know, going through cancer and, and, and cancer treatments, which can be so debilitating in many circumstances. So if they can find that it just helps their overall well-being, I'm happy with that as well. That's awesome. So let's dispel some of the stigmas. A lot of people like to say that marijuana is a gateway drug, that people will go on to heavier, more powerful, more addictive drugs after trying marijuana. True or false? False. Why? I mean, if you look at all the people who have used marijuana at some point in their lives, 
most of them have never um, advanced to anything else. Yeah, addiction, people have to realize, is um, a mental health disorder. So some people are primed for it. Some people are either filling, they're filling a, a, a hole in their lives with, with the substance, whatever the substance is. It could be gambling. It could be, um, you know, uh, uh, alcohol or, or pills. Um, so there's a lot more to it than just saying that cannabis led to the drug use. Um, I think it's, it, it was a scapegoat. Honestly, um, I have I have uh, in my first degree family, um, someone who was heroin addicted. And um, I, I can tell you very much that, it, it, you know, seeing it firsthand, there's a lot more to, to addiction than than people are, are, are understanding of. So um, I, I don't I don't view it as anything like a gateway drug because there are so many people who just stay with the marijuana and have never really advanced to anything else. And let's spin that around a little bit. So there is a lot of studies being done that says that marijuana can help people get off of heroin and opioids. It can reverse that addiction. Is that true? Um, so it, there is there is some truth to it. And um, if you can believe it, New York State added opioid use disorder as one of the qualifying conditions, um, I want to say about three years ago. Um, so it, it really does help in, in some way. The pathophysiology of it, I, I can't. I can't speak to, but I, I can imagine that it, that marijuana is binding some of the, um, the, um, cannabinoid receptors in the brain and producing an effect that makes it less likely for patients to want to desire other substances. Um, so it's filling that gap, so to speak, um, where that was otherwise filled with the illicit substance. Um, so yes, it can certainly help people come off, um, some, uh, substances of abuse and also deal with the withdrawal symptoms. I'd like to move into another segment we have called knee jerk reaction. So I'd like to, to throw out a phrase or a word, and then you just give me your immediate reaction. So explain how medical cannabis can be used to, to help patients, uh, with cancer. Uh, appetite gain, uh, nausea relief, um, weight gain, um, sleep, multiple sclerosis, uh, a muscle spasms, pain stops muscle spasms. Yeah. So we know that CBD can really uh, help with uh, the relaxation of muscles. It's like a muscle relaxant in a way. Um, so there's a lot of spasms that can happen, you know, with the spasticity. Um, and that's actually been well studied. Um, so there are there, the, the, the Bixamols, if anyone is interested, um, is, is some, something that's legal in, in Europe um, for, for MS. It's, it's an extract from cannabis um, that can be used as an oral spray. Um, so we know that in MS, it's um, very helpful with spasticity. Okay, uh, epilepsy. Oh, uh, definitely. CBD, um, Epidiolex is a CBD medication that is FDA approved. That boggles my mind. It's, it's, it's derived from cannabis and it's schedule five, I think, or maybe even they descheduled it and it's from cannabis. So you mean to tell me that the federal government yeah. still has cannabis classified as schedule one, no medicinal value, but pharmaceutical companies got FDA approval for Epidiolex, which is from cannabis. It's, it's atrocious. What, what's going on? Inflammatory bowel disease. Um, pain um, and, and flares because we know that there's an anti-inflammatory effect to CBD. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. Um, it's been, studies have shown it's been able to reduce um, uh, anxiety attacks associated with PTSD. I find it fascinating too that that you're able to scientifically say like, oh, I, I think sativa or something, this maybe helps you relax more. There's definitely formulas involved where it's like, this is going to help with this. This is going to help with your relaxation. This is going to help with your nausea. Um, yes. So 
the issue with the medical marijuana, the state of medical marijuana in the in the United States is that it's a very patchwork system. So um, back in 2017, I went to a cannabis conference in Colorado and, you know, Colorado, one of the first states after California to, to legalize cannabis, they are light years ahead of where we are in New York. Um, and I, my mind was just blown at some of the research, the, the, you know, the microscopic scale research that's being done on the cannabinoid system and phytocannabinoids and endocannabinoids. It's much more complex in states like um, Colorado and California Nevada, where they just have much more advanced medical programs and recreational programs. Um, here in New York State, um, we just don't have that. So I don't know as much about the intricacies of, you know, the different types of flower and the hybrids that they have made, um, which can be good or bad. I mean, I, I, feel, I feel like we need to start slow. And I like how New York's program has become, has, has really started off as much more medicinal minded and more scientific um, in the sense that we're balancing THC and CBD. So right now it's easier for it to get patients on it when they're just, you know, when they're skeptics, they want to take a pill, they, they have a milligram dose, they don't have to, you know, buy some sort of, you know, crazy, you know, flower, uh, that's got some weird name to it and, 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 and figure out, and figure out what it's going to do to them. Um, not to say that though, that's not, you know, a proper way to go about things. It's just, it's something that I don't know enough about. And a lot of, um, doctors from this, this, uh, from New York, I don't know because we, I had gone to this conference and a bunch of New York doctors walked into this, um, medical dispensary. Um, and, they called them bud tenders. The bud tender was there and showing us the product and our eyes just were like, you know, what, what's going on? You know, where's the THC CBD ratio? So, um, I think we have to start slow and sort of progress, um, over time to get to that level. But when patients are skeptical, we want to start, you know, very simplified and much more medical minded. So I like the fact that New York state has kept it very medical. What's going to come with the recreational legalization is yet to be determined. Sure. You know, you talk a lot about red tape and there's been so much red tape and there's been so much stigma, but now as, as people are starting to come around and I guess your research and other people's research have helped. Um, and also we're seeing recreational marijuana becoming legal in certain States. That's got to help. So, um, we're talking state versus federal, right? So, so statewide, yes, you'll have better access to it. Our patients don't have to be scared to, um, have it on them, you know, and, and it just, it makes it a little bit easier when it's decriminalized. Um, but on a federal level, I really try to advocate, you know, not only, um, to, to my friends and family, but to my patients, um, that you have to think about what the policies are of the people you're voting for, because my main stance is we need federal legalization of medicinal cannabis. And until that comes, um, it, there's a big disparity because we, if we're applying for a federal grant for research, for example, you won't, you won't get that easily if you're studying cannabis. Um, so anything to do with the federal government makes cannabis completely off the table, unfortunately. So um, while recreational legalization in New York State is um, definitely a, a benefit or a step in the right direction, it's not nearly enough. Um, and we're more than half the country has, has legalized marijuana for medicinal use. And more and more states are coming around the recreational bandwagon as well. But federal legalization really is what's needed next. And I think we're headed in that direction. I'm just hoping sooner than later. Awesome. Uh, we always like to end on a positive note here on 20 Minute Health Talk. So tell me what gives you hope? What gives you optimism going forward? 
Well, it's hopeful for me when I see that there's more and more states recognizing the value of cannabis um, on a medicinal level. Um, so we are more than half the country have legalized it. Um, I think the next step is going to be federal legalization. So I'm hopeful about it. And I just continue to educate and try to dispel the stigma. Awesome. Well, Dr. Diana Martins-Welch, thank you so much for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for you, the listener, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle. Have a great week. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.